From McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. The COVID-19 crisis has put CEOs and the organizations they lead under incredible pressure. At the same time, it has provided a once-in-a-generation opportunity for chief executives to evolve the nature and impact of their role. Our new McKinsey Quarterly article, The CEO Moment, Leadership for a New Era, describes how top-performing chief executives have taken four shifts in their approaches to leadership during the crisis, changes that have the potential to also permanently transform the CEO role. Three of the article's authors are with us today to discuss their new findings. Carolyn Dewar is a senior partner and co-leader of our CEO and board excellence practice. Monica Mararka is a senior expert and member of the global leadership team of our CEO and board excellence practice. And Kurt Strovink is a senior partner and leader of our insurance sector work globally. Given the importance and weight of this topic, we're dividing the discussion into two parts to allow us to discuss the four shifts in appropriate detail. In today's episode, we will focus on the first two shifts. Kurt, could you start us off by providing some background on what spurred the research? Don, thank you very much. And we look forward to the conversation today. The reason that we started this research was we were becoming of the mind that there was really a a moment here for CEOs during this pandemic. It was a different kind of moment that might differ from normal environments. CEOs are facing a number of challenges during this environment, but also a number of opportunities. On the one hand, there's the health situation and the need to care for employees and the need to make quick decisions in record time. Uh, That's clearly one of the forces at work. But there's a second, which is much more around how to think about the evolution of their business and their business models in the near term and in the medium term. We sometimes call these uh, phases kind of return and reimagine as opposed to just respond. And we're seeing a lot of bright thinking across industries, whether that's across distribution, you know, diversity, cost and efficiency, remote working. But there's a third aspect to this as well, which is that CEOs are called upon to act differently with their own people and in society as a whole. And there's a sort of emotional and human dimension to this that's very present. And we think all of these come together to create what we thought was a CEO moment. And the reason we called it that was there's a number of of perspectives that are out there on the enduring aspects of CEO leadership. Uh, But we were actually noticing that the nature of the role itself was changing. And we called that the CEO moment. So what we'll talk about today is four shifts uh, that we see that we think might even be important enough underway in our dialogues with CEOs and counseling that we've done across the world, uh, that they might even be permanent or more enduring. And the question that we're posing fundamentally is whether there will be a return to past after uh, this COVID time or whether these will in fact be enduring shifts that will govern a different way of leading not only in companies, but in society as a whole. Thank you, Kurt. Carolyn, can you elaborate on the shifts that Kurt alluded to? How have CEOs adapted their mindsets and practices? One of the things we've really noticed in talking with CEOs and working with them is the level of aspiration and boldness in terms of what's getting done is just tenfold, if not more, right? And so how are CEOs not only thinking 10 times faster and bigger and bolder, but actually moving their organizations to achieve extraordinary things that otherwise were thought impossible in the time frame? And so I think about a conversation with the CEO of the Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Last year, they did 38 telehealth visits a week, right? That was their, their typical rhythm. This year, during COVID times, they jumped to 5,000 telehealth visits a week. 
right? Or you think about Unilever, where they almost overnight converted their factory lines from making deodorant to making hand sanitizer, right? There's these shifts that in normal times would have been thought to take months, if not years, with a lot of planning and a lot of capability building and strategic questions and resource allocations over a long time are happening virtually overnight. And the question we ask ourselves is, of course, this is a pandemic. It's an extraordinary circumstance. But what can we learn from that? What bold moves have been able to happen that CEOs could carry forward? Right? Because all of our research shows that CEOs who make such bold moves are significantly higher performing both as CEOs and in the companies that they lead. In fact, making one or two bold moves more than doubles the likelihood of a company making a shift to top quintile performer over a 10-year period. What would it look like for CEOs to maintain that level of boldness in their thinking, belief in what's possible, and ability to bring their organizations along to make these kinds of extraordinary moves? The barriers to that boldness and speed used to be thought to be about technical limits. And I think we've seen now that there is much about the mindset of what's possible. And now that we've seen what's possible, what will we choose to do? That's one of the first and fundamental shifts that we're seeing. And it's quite exciting. What are some of the practical ways that CEOs can not only push themselves, but their organizations to these higher aspirations, but without burning out or burning out their employees? Of course, people in many ways are running on adrenaline, right? And that's fine, but not sustainable. But I think what it has shown, not just CEOs, but the organization, is that you're able to move faster than maybe you thought you were. And this isn't just about working harder, but some of the inbuilt assumptions about what was possible, those have been challenged. Maybe we can do things without all of the preceding conversations that we thought were necessary in the past. Maybe we can trial and error and experiment as we go. Maybe we can collaborate with others in ways we haven't before to actually accelerate what typically would have taken a long time. So some of those new muscles aren't about working harder or faster. They're actually working in a different way. And I think those are the CEOs and the organizations that are really feeling the unlock. It's not about um, more work. It's about working smarter. Curious your reflections on this one. First of all, I do think we're seeing evidence across industries of what I might call a productivity bump. Coders working extra hours on the technology side, leadership teams not commuting and putting all of that time back into productive time. I know a number of CEOs are asking, is there something I can do to lock this in? When you think about the ways to institutionalize change, though, there's a number of opportunities. One can create sustainable, enduring set of models. We're seeing a lot around the dynamics of how top teams operate. We're seeing a lot about the speed of decision-making, resource allocation. Uh, many people are realizing that they're making as high-quality decisions more quickly, but they're just doing it through fewer levels in the company. There's also a number of things that can be uh, locked in in terms of institutionalizing work remotely and in a hybrid manner. So a lot of uh, thinking, I think, is going in from CEOs right now into how do I create sustainable, healthy models of ongoing performance? Uh, how do I standardize work more in remote environments that might interact with uh, in-person environments? And those kinds of things are durable and they're not exhausting to contemplate. Sometimes they can create dividends of time. You know, I think the central idea here is, you know, think about the markers of what it means to really commit and choose. Think about zero-basing how work gets done. The evidence is CEOs who are doing that are 
really making things move and that it's possible to do in this environment. Are there specific risks that CEOs need to be conscious of in this significant acceleration of the pace of decision-making and operational changes? I would certainly say there's some things on the risk side as companies imagine new ways of interacting with customers, a lot of digital innovation and uh, pulling forward of investments that might have been three or four years out that people are now contemplating in this year. And I think there are some regulatory questions. Whether they're putting in enough time into these questions is probably is warranted based on how fast the world is changing. Maybe that's, that, that's one area. I do think that thinking through sustainability in all of its forms will require more attention than is currently being given by CEOs their employee value propositions, their long-term recruiting, the onboarding of new people. I think people are aware of that but don't have that code cracked yet. How do we learn in the new environment that might be more virtual for a while? How do I onboard people with the immersive experiences that they'll need to be effective as past generations have been? These are some of the questions that I think are worthy of more study and thinking. I don't think people are skipping over them so much as they're yet to be proven and shaped. Given that so much of work now is remote or virtual, How do CEOs ensure there is enough internal collaboration and consultation around decisions? Um, That's an important one. CEOs describe that while the core aspects of running their businesses are happening strongly and maybe even at at, at levels of productivity higher than they would have expected, they are finding that thinking about new things, having the brainstormings around the water coolers, one CEO described it, that's been more difficult to replicate. The ones that are leaning forward are doing a couple things. One is they are using technology to create real kinds of interactions and participation and engagement as opposed to one-way broadcast. They are launching some strategic thinking in the medium term about how their businesses and the ways in which they compete will change, and they're tasking senior people in the company to really think about that in addition to kind of delivering the here and now. And I think that they're making that purposeful, and there's a lot of CEOs that are doing that right now. The other thing they're doing is they're experimenting with agile ways of working, uh, bringing agile practices that used to be in person into a hybrid virtual construct. A lot of agile forms are moving very quickly to technology-based models and are actually achieving very, very strong gains, maybe more so, again, than people would have expected. Hmm. This higher rate of productivity and pace of change does create some challenges and added stress for workers. We've also seen a big delta in the stress and productivity between parents, especially parents of younger children, and non-parents. What are some of the ways that you're seeing CEOs and their executive teams handle that? As a parent of young kids, I'm right there with you. And I do think we need to be careful as we think about what productivity has meant in this time this isn't normal, right? I I have some clients who are projecting forward and saying, what if we move to a a remote workforce sort of indefinitely? What if that becomes our new model, not because of the pandemic, but because that's something we choose? And they're being very careful to not assume that the productivity of today will continue on the positive and negative side, right? There's people living under extraordinary strain without childcare, managing health issues, managing concern about elderly relatives. The question we're posing for CEOs and others is, as we may move through and beyond the pandemic, are there lessons learned from this period that could well serve us in a more stable time? I do think, Sean, you raise an important and separate question, which is how can CEOs and leadership teams best support all of their employees where they're at? Because people are in very different modes. 
mental health issues, child care issues. And I think the overriding message I'm hearing from CEOs is just the importance of of them showing their own humanity, right? And I think, Kurt, it was you who have a, a quote from from someone that it's almost like this ministerial role that CEOs need to be playing as they truly are understanding where their employees are at and caring for them and thinking of their people as an extraordinary both asset but also part of the community that they're working through. I think you're exactly right. I mean, the the notion was that uh, I think CEOs are are being called on to be more ministerial or emotionally relevant for their employees uh, more broadly. And we sometimes do describe this as sort of a trifecta of difficulty where you have dual working parents, kids under the age of 12, maybe an apartment in an urban setting or something like that, that that creates really difficult situations. I think CEOs can also role model balance. And it's very difficult to do. But when CEOs don't role model that, I think we do see some challenges with the organizations being able to find new ways of working in, in its absence. One CEO friend described this as sort of boundaryless, sort of like you're swimming in a blue ocean without land in sight. You're making progress. You feel like you've been working hard, but it's, it's hard to get your bearings. And I think it's important to put some markers in between work and family time and, uh, and life uh, beyond work. I think that's a great transition to the second shift that CEOs are making. Monica, do you want to take us through that? So it's this idea of elevating to be to the same level as to do. What does this mean practically? It means that CEOs in this time are making a conscious, deliberate choice to bring more of themselves into the workplace. So they're choosing how they show up as well as recalibrating what they expect from leaders and employees and how they show up. So it's not a new idea that when a crisis hits, everyone looks to their leader. What is unique is that in a normal environment, the types of leadership skills often valued in CEOs and shown are business leadership, setting up a strategy, culture, people decisions. In this environment, it's much more about helping people maintain morale and about helping people to be prepared for whatever may come in the face of uncertainty while managing business operations. So how are CEOs doing this? They're showing up with more of their humanity. I mean, you see them in their homes on video conference. So not only do you get a peek more into their personal life, but the way that they show up, they're dressing more casually in some instances, walking their dog on a video. And what's surprising is we see that actually showing up in things like employee engagement scores. We've seen a number of CEOs start to move towards meeting with their top team on a daily basis to giving out videos on a much frequent basis of town halls and so forth. So there's a lot more connectivity with their uh, population, both internally and externally. Another way that we see CEOs showing up is they're forging these stronger, more cohesive, motivated workforces. Typically, if you're on a conference call, you might be multitasking. In the age now of video conference, a lot more CEOs are uh, available, focused. One CEO told us that He used to multitask quite frequently, but he realized that he wasn't bringing his best self to the conversation, and he owed it to those uh, on the the video conference. So he learned how to be more present and attentive. The final way is to role model organizational values. So move from uh, being more captains to more stewards, showing vulnerability, empathy, making decisions in, in accordance with both their values and the company values, and really stepping out in front to be living proof of that. People expect the CEO to be transparent, to have a grip on the situation, be reasonable about what they know, don't know, what they're doing about things, especially in a time of uncertainty. And we see a lot of CEOs stepping up to that. Now, being is different from doing, and you need 
to both be and do in these times. People ask, what does it mean to be? And uh, a lot of that comes down to authenticity and tapping into who you are as a person and bringing forward that. So a lot of research and discussions in the past have talked about being centered, managing triggers, calm, bounded optimism, and so forth. What it really is is about bringing forward your own values and who you are. One CEO that I've been coaching, he's been in the role for about a year as a new CEO of an organization, and his top team wasn't particularly high-functioning when he first came in. And now on top of the pandemic where you're in a virtual environment, people are needing to act collaboratively and quickly, really found himself in a challenge of how do I bring together a virtual top team in a way that we were struggling before the pandemic even began. I've known the CEO for quite a while, and one of the characteristics of him personally is he's a very authentic person, very transparent and very caring. And so he really stepped forward outside of his comfort zone. And that's what we call the being quality, to really bring that into the culture of the organization and the way that the top team worked. And so, as we've seen over the last two to three months, that top team has actually formed a new way of working, a new level of transparency, and a lot of that wouldn't have been possible had the CEO not stepped forward a bit more to lead that process. Can we delve a bit deeper into this notion of cultivating a sense of belonging? You talked about the example that the CEO can set by being a little more personal, sharing a little bit more insight into their personal situation. How can the CEO help keep people connected to each other? And how does an organization instill its culture into new people coming on board after the pandemic? So we work with a number of CEOs who are transitioning in during this time. And if you're an externally hired CEO, it's incredibly challenging because typically you're doing your road shows, you're meeting folks, the front line. And with the travel restrictions, that was quite difficult. So we see a lot of creative ways in terms of doing like around the world uh, sunset tours by video conference, getting to know different parts of the operation, a lot through video. One of the CEOs we interviewed, Steve Colas from Amerisos Bergen, he said it really beautifully. He said, in my daily top team meetings, I ask, what are people thinking? Who's having challenges? Who are the people I should be personally reaching out to and talking to at any level in the organization? And so we see sort of a let's say, call to action among leadership teams and cascading all through management to really have a pulse on how do employees feel, where do connections need to happen, whether through video conference, informal kind of meeting settings to informal. Even here at McKinsey, we have informal water cooler video chats, uh, happy hour chats. So I think use of connectivity through video is so important, um, but also not getting video fatigue and still doing, you know, having walks while on the phone and connecting one-on-one. But it does require a more concerted outreach, a more concerted effort, and uh, a lot of CEOs are fortifying their communication teams to do it. The second part of it is team connectivity, whether it's peer-to-peer or uh, direct managers and above. So continuing to optimize those and have scheduled and informal times, as well as a lot of employees have been saying they feel actually quite embraced. They have a lot more access to leadership through whether it's uh, more frequent video conversations with CEOs and top team leaders that traditionally they would have only when in person and visiting a location, they can now access uh, virtually. So it's a little bit of a shift there. And I don't know, Carolyn, if you have any other uh, observations from your experience. The only piece going through my mind, and maybe it's top of mind, is 
Getting work done is the primary piece of a video conference. So a lot of people have felt like it's so task-oriented that you don't have the social connection. But the other piece we're starting to hear more of is feedback and development culture. And if, as this continues and extends over a longer period of time, how do we make sure that you're also carving out time to give coaching, to give feedback? We're through the initial sprint. This could be more medium term. How do we make sure that people's uh, development continues and they feel supported in that? So people are starting to notice and say, we need to be deliberate about that. We think the employee value proposition is critical to almost recast in this environment. It links, by the way, to customer experience. We see a lot of evidence of that. So there's a number of companies that are actually trying to influence customer experience even through, uh, through the interactions with their own employees. Purpose is on the rise in a substantial way. Uh, we also see a lot on this notion of talent and diversity and ways of focusing there. So all of that requires somebody who's you know, connecting with, with the, the emotional side of the equation, not just the intellectual side. And we do think that the second idea of, of thinking about what your to-be list might be as a CEO is a provocative challenge and one that has some enduring benefit. Many thanks to Kurt, Carolyn, and Monica for taking the time with us today. In the second part of our podcast, we will discuss the two remaining shifts in CEOs' leadership approaches that focus on how corporations and their leaders engage with the outside world. We hope you can join us. A transcript of this conversation will soon be made available on the Inside the Strategy Room page on McKinsey.com, where you may also find links to our previous episodes. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future episode, please email us at inside the strategy room at mckinsey.com. If you'd like to receive email alerts as we publish new insights, you can sign up on the strategy and corporate finance practice section of mckinsey.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at MCK Strategy, connect with us on LinkedIn by entering McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance in the search bar to visit our practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the strategy room.